So, Naomi, in the book of Judges, no, in the book of Ruth, set in the time of Judges. Judges in the time is a time when the Israelites are not doing very well. They are going from a continual cycle of disobedience, distress, deliverance, constantly. If you ever read through Judges, it just beggars belief how many times they do that full cycle of do it, you know, go worship foreign gods. Oh, God, we're in trouble. And then God comes and rescues them. And then they go all the way around that circle. It just beggars belief. But that is the set, the scene, the way Naomi and her family live. That's the, that's the tone of the, the, um, the nation at this time. And after, straight after Judges comes the book of Ruth. And it's like the Bible zooms in on one particular family and even closer on two particular women, one an Israelite and one a Moabite, Naomi and Ruth. Today we're looking at Naomi. Um, I don't know what you think about when you think about Naomi. You might think, oh, she was the mother-in-law, the mother-in-law from hell, maybe. Um, Or she was the really grumpy one. Uh, Actually, today I'd like to say, let's think of her as the woman who stuck with God or the resilient one who stuck with God. And actually, after that worship this morning, the one who knew God loved her deep down. So I'm going to do a really brief retell of the story because actually Lois is going to be looking at the book of Ruth in two weeks' time. So I've said she can do all of the um, teachery stuff and do all the background stuff. Um, So she's going to tell you all about that in the future. (laughs) So come in two weeks' time, everyone. Okay, so the book of Ruth tells us the story of a wife and a mother, Naomi, who went from... Oh, here we are. We have a little picture. Don't we? Am I pointing it in the right place? Ah, there we go. She went from full to empty and back to full again. Okay. So her and her family, she was married to Elimelech and she had two sons. At that point, she was culturally full. She had two sons to carry on the family line. They went to Moab in a, during a severe famine that Israel was experiencing, they decided to travel southeast to the land of Moab, where there was actually still food at the time. Sadly, things didn't go too well for them at that point um, when they got down there. After they'd been there a while, Elimelech, her husband, dies. And then after that, her sons both marry Moabite women, which wasn't a good thing because that was something they weren't supposed to do. Um, And then after that, both the sons die. So things are not going well. She is at a point of empty. Um, She is in a foreign land. She's got two daughters-in-law and no prospects. But then she hears that the Lord has come to the aid of her people. He's come and he's provided food. So she decides to go back home. Both the daughter-in-laws at that point declare that they will go with her. And uh, so you have this scene of them on the road, walking back. It's quite a long way. It's about two and a half days of constant walking. Um, on the, this scene on their way back where Naomi points out that um, this is a little bit of a hopeless situation. Really, you don't want to come with me. Go back to your mother's. At least you'll have a chance of marrying again and getting a family. Because really... She's too old to have any more children. And really, are they going to wait for her to have boys and marry them? And then da, 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 da. So she's like, just go home. Just go home. Just leave me. <laughs> and uh, so Orpha, one of them, goes at that point. But Ruth, Ruth says no. She makes a declaration on that road where she has said, she says, no, I'm going to come with you. 
You, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Ruth swears an allegiance to the one true God at that point. And this is where I think we begin to see the impact of the life of Naomi. We see it in Ruth's response. I believe Naomi, um, I believe that when she went from full to empty, there was something in her knowledge of the love of God and her knowledge of the kingship of God that communicated that to Ruth, that Ruth saw that. She saw a glimpse of something that was worth following for. And she wasn't signing up when things were good. It wasn't like, ha, it's really rosy with that God. I'm going over there. She'd seen her mother-in-law lose her husband and she'd lost her own husband in the midst of it. So there must have been something in that seam running through Naomi that pointed to the one true God. The testimony of her life meant that Ruth decided that she was going to give her life to that God. I mean, what, what? I was thinking, wow. If, that, if someone turned around to me and went, wow, because I've seen the way that you walk with your God, I want to follow him too. How much would you celebrate if someone did that? You'd be like, yes, this is amazing. So we're going to be looking at that seam that we saw in Naomi from her journey from full to empty and back to full again. And I'm going to do it looking at three things. So if you take notes, these will be our headings. Her belief her attitude, and her behavior. Okay, those are our three headings. We're going to start with her belief. Okay, she had her belief settled. I believe God's been settling on our belief again this morning. Our belief that he is God, he is God Almighty, he is in charge, and that he loves us. Those things are unchanging. And those are the things that Naomi built her life on. I think that was the foundation she was standing on. She had her worldview fixed. That was what her foundation was. It wasn't that mankind maybe had a few things to say about things, or there were some foreign gods who maybe had something to say. She was decided. She was standing on God. God was her almighty. Although her experience was that the almighty had given her a bitter cup. In verse 20, when she gets back to Bethlehem, she says, I went away full. What have I said? Oh, no, no. Go backwards. Um, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. She understood that the Lord gave and the Lord also takes away. She could have quite easily gone after foreign gods in the, in the land of Moab when things weren't going too well. She thought, actually, maybe I'll try these other gods and life will go better for me. No, she stayed faithful. We don't see it in a big gushy way and a sort of out there preach, you know, worshipping God. But you see it in, through the story that she stuck by God and didn't seek off um, self-comfort. She acknowledged his authority and at the end, of the end of the day, he was in charge. So what's that mean for us? In seasons when like the sunflower yesterday morning when the winds are coming and battering you and you feel like, gosh, this isn't too good. This is a bitter cup, Lord. Um, what's the reality of the situation? Well, the reality is that it is hard to trust him in times like that. It is hard. And that's, that doesn't, that God doesn't expect us to, to not admit that. Um, but the reality is that our struggle to trust that God is in charge doesn't change his ability to actually be in charge. 
That took me a long time to find words for that. I brewed on that for days and I finally spat it out on a walk with the dog this week. I was like, I was walking through the woods and I found it and I had to record it on my phone. So I don't know if anyone else had been walking in those woods. They'd have been like, whoa, what's she on? (laughs) So our struggle, the thing that we're struggling with, the fact that to trust God, the fact that we're struggling with it, that doesn't change him. It doesn't change that he's in charge. And that, you just have to let that sort of sink in and go, okay, yeah. That doesn't change it. It doesn't matter where I'm being wafted around like the wind, by the wind, it doesn't change the fact that he is who he is and his character stays the same. He loves us. What it does change is our responses within our circumstances. So, so Naomi held fast to the fact that the Almighty was in charge and made decisions in line with that. She didn't go after foreign gods. She stayed firm. So if we assume, like Naomi did, that God was in charge then we make our decisions within our circumstances in line with that. We start, there's a hope there, isn't there? There's a, God's in charge, we can do this, or he's got this. If we don't believe he's in charge, and we doubt that at that point, um, then we will make decisions in line with that place that we're moving out of, that he isn't in charge. So you'll stop trusting him, and you'll go and try and make things the way that you think they ought to be done. Then you're getting a bit of a mess, probably. This is me a couple of years ago, quite a few years ago, actually, when I had hair. Um, <laughs> and on my left is my friend Michelle. Uh, many of you know Michelle. They serve in um, West Africa. Never can quite get that right. And um, we used to jog and we would talk. Now, Michelle is the kind of person that is, small talk doesn't happen. You, you get to reel with Michelle real quick. And uh, so it was one day when we were jogging around the rugby pitch and uh, we had a revelation. I don't know whether you, you've you've had times like that in your life, but oh, ask God for them. It's like, so all of a sudden God drops a live drop of something into your heart and mind at the same time. And you go, wow. So we were trudging our way up the hill, jogging and talking deep things. And she said, what if you faced life and everything it brought to you on the assumption that God loved you? And I just went, wow, how different would life be that Everything, every time something come, came your way, you went, well, God loves me. That's, the, that's what I'm standing on. That's my belief. God loves me. So my response is going to be, hold my hand out. God loves me. And I'm not going to go, oh, I don't like that. that. That looks horrible, God. But I'm going to go, okay, you love me. And then, so that was in 2014. It was the following year I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And my temptation was to go, oh, don't like that. That's not nice, God. I don't want to do that one. We didn't have much choice. But <laughs> so I went, okay, God, I'm going to trust you that this is, this is good. It doesn't feel very good, but it's going to be good. And I, do you know what? My testimony is that it was good. It was good. God was good to me. People were good to me. God worked the situation. Oh, it was good. And I know that Eileen Elmett can say the same thing. She's walking through breast cancer. When you hold your hand out and you go, okay, God, you're good and you love me. You can work this for the good. You can, you're in charge. You're in charge and you love me. And I believe that's what Naomi did too. We don't see it so much in the story, but I think we see the fruit of it in Ruth's declaration, trusting a God that she didn't necessarily 
have been brought up with. So that was belief, settled. Attitude. He's got a bit of attitude, hasn't he? It's not that kind of attitude I'm talking about, though. Um, <laughs> so Naomi faced real hardship, and when she was squeezed, what came out? When you're squeezed by situations, you know, what comes out is really where you're based, where your belief's based. We were watching a program yesterday of um, Cracknell and Ben Fogel chap. Uh, they decided to walk across the desert. I missed the beginning, so I don't know why they were doing that to themselves. But they were walking across the desert, and I tell you, when Cracknell was squeezed, not nice stuff came out. Um, but Fogel, nice stuff came out, even to the point of him being encouraging to his camels. And I just thought... What is this? You know, that when he was when they squeezed by the circumstances around them, good stuff came out. And the same with Naomi. Good stuff comes out. Although, to be honest, when in verse 20 she says, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. That doesn't sound like a particularly positive lady, does it? Um, But she recognized it was the Almighty that had made her bitter. It wasn't like, oh, life's just awful and it's made me bitter. His focus is still on the Almighty. And that belief comes through at that point. And what I believe she is doing there is lamenting. I don't believe she's complaining. I think she's lamenting. And there's a difference between the two. Here we are. Complaining is self-centered pity. So it is poor old me. And that's where it leaves you. Poor old me in a pit of poor old me. That's the pity party. There are so many gifs and memes on the internet about pity parties, but I just I couldn't choose one. So I thought I'd leave it there because my children would probably be very embarrassed of me because I'd probably choose something that was rude. Um, <laughs> but so complaining is self-centered. It's whinging. But lamenting brings you back to God. Lamenting brings you back to God. Um, there's a fantastic book that I've been reading by a lady called Anne Voskamp. She says, Lament is a cry of belief in a good God, a God who has his ear to our hearts, a God who transfigures the ugly into beauty. So that's the lament. That is the, God is in this. I don't know, I'm not on my own. He's, he's got his ear to my heart. He knows how I'm reacting to this situation. Whereas complaint is the bitter howl of unbelief in any benevolent God at this moment. That's, that's complaint. That's like, well, you just don't care, do you, God? So prime examples of this are the Israelites. They're whingy people, weren't they? Listen to this. If only we had died by the Lord's hand. <laughs> In Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted. But you, he's talked to Moses, have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. I mean, like, but these are the people who just saw the ten plagues. They just walked through the water with the waters piled up beside them. This is them. I love that. That makes me laugh. But this is them, isn't it? They are so full of their own self-pity. They have just seen God do all these amazing things and they've forgotten it already. They're hungry and they're like, oh, we're going to die. Well, maybe they were going to die. Just not denying the truth of that situation. But the way they reacted in it was complaining. They didn't go back to God. They didn't go, well, God, you just did all this amazing stuff. Now we're hungry. Well, what are you going to do now, God? 
I love looking at a situation like that and go, well, this really sucks, Lord. What are you going to do about it? I'm really looking forward to seeing you do something, please. So that's the Israelites. But let's go for the Psalms. If you read the Psalms, they do it differently. This guy on the left is supposed to be lamenting. Okay, just in case you wondered what he was doing. Um, <laughs> so the psalmists do that cycle. They, they recount it. They, they rehearse the fact that things aren't going too well. Oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? How long will the enemy mock you, God? And they could go, keep going down at that point. But they don't. They go, but God... But God, from long ago, he brings salvation on the earth. It was you who split open the sea by your power. And each one of us has that moment where we can go, but God, you did that for me. You got me a job when I needed one. You helped me when I was ill. You helped my children. You healed them at that point. You, 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 all those things, we can all rehearse things that God has done for us. Even if it's right back down to the, you died for me, Lord. Even if that's the only positive thing that you can think of at that point, that is a truth that you can give thanks for. And you can go, but God, and be there. He's in charge. So the psalmist returns to God. And I believe that's what Naomi's lament does. It returns her to God. And out of that, she behaves. Step by step. She does her bit. So I think that's sometimes what we have to do, isn't it? We have to do it bit by bit. We have to just keep going, putting one step in front of the other. So she had her assumption. She lived on her assumption that God loved her, that God was in charge. So there was hope. There was hope she could trust. In those situations, she can go, but God. I like, um, I'm going to play you a little clip now, just make you laugh. Well, Adam's going to play you a little clip, aren't you? I was reminded of Dory. I don't know if you've seen Finding Nemo, but she's this dippy fish who just keeps swimming. Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills. When life gets you down, you know what you got to do? I don't want to know what you got to do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Dory, no singing. I love to swim in Dory. When you want to swim, you want See, to See, I'm going to get stuck fun. now with that song. Now it's in my head. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Get that stuck in your head. Get that stuck in your head. On days when you think, oh, can't do this in your grumpy gills. Just keep swimming. Oh, I didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. And I think there was an element of what Naomi did there. She just kept swimming. She just kept swimming. She put one foot in front of the other based on her belief. So the climax of the story, she just keeps swimming. They've moved back to Bethlehem, her and Ruth. And the story now centers around Ruth faithfully going out and picking up grain in a field. Turns out said field belongs to Boaz. Boaz is a nice chap, thinks Ruth's quite nice too. Um, And (laughs) the story progresses. And at this point, one book I read suggests that uh, Boaz, as as the fella, Needed a little bit of a hint, a little bit of a push towards, uh, towards the lady. I'm sure none of you relate to that at all. Um, 
Do you know how long it took Andy to get around to proposing to me? Anyway, that's another story. Um, <laughs> so there's this little situation where Naomi says to Ruth, get dressed, look really pretty, and uh, go off to the threshing floor. Don't normally get the ladies at the threshing floor. So well, actually what Naomi suggested was quite courageous and quite, well, could be manipulative, but, it, you know, it was quite, she was still being a woman who did her bit. So she comes up with this plan that basically means that Ruth can propose to Boaz. <laughs> Not normal in that culture. But it works. Boaz gets the message. <laughs> and it's because it turns out Boaz is actually what's called their kinsman redeemer, which I'm sure Lois will take us deeply into in her message next, in two weeks' time. Uh, which means basically he had the responsibility if there was a, a member of the family who was struggling, uh, i.e. or their husband died, a brother died, um, he had the responsibility or ob- obligation to basically further the family line and marry the woman and further the line. So Boaz redeems the situation and marries Ruth. And so we get back to full in the end. So no, they have this baby boy, Obed. Everything's happy again. So she's gone. Naomi's gone from full to empty and back to full. Based on her attitude, her belief in God, And doing her bit, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. But also, at this point, we're going to zoom back out and go, actually, God was at work on a bigger plan as well. Not only was he at work in their lives to show us his redeeming power and something of his heart, it's also, turns out that baby Obed is Jesus's great, 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 don't know how many greats, great granddad. So God was about establishing his great big plan at the same time. So God's always at work. Always at work. I I crochet. And uh, (laughs) it's my little habit. And um, (laughs) we... I'll get prayer for it. Um, and uh, I, it was, I had a word from God for Michelle, the one who was previously in that picture, about God always being at work. So I crocheted her a dishcloth. And I said, whenever you're at work and you're working with this dishcloth, I said, remember, God is always at work. You might not always be able to see it. The situation might not be looking wonderful, but God is always at work. So whenever she's wiping, which you do a lot in the desert because it's very dusty, um, she always can remember. So whenever you get your dishcloth out, remember, God is always at work. And I think Lois and the band are going to help us respond to this. So in conclusion... So because of her belief, she had that fixed. She knew God was in charge. She knew God loved her. Her attitude could be that one, a one of trust and of holding her hand out. Because bad things happen, don't they? Bad things happen. But God is with us. God is for us. And he's not against us. And he's with us in those things. And she behaved in a way that meant that she could come full circle, back to full again. And the worship team have written a song, which Bex is going to sing over us. And I would just encourage you to sit quietly before the presence of the Lord.